Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live.
the person you're trying to reach is not available. Please leave a message after the beep. Stand by for the Waterman files. All right, we're here. Yep, you guys are together. You can talk. Hi there. I'm buffering. (laughs) How are you doing, Doc? I am doing good. I'm doing good. Good. We'll be uh, we'll be flowing after the music. How much time, Chip? Sounds great. An hour. Two minutes, and we'll be live. All right. I assume there'll be some breaks in between. Yep, there'll be breaks. About every half hour. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. I'll walk you through it. No no sweat. Okay. Oh, I'll have to do walk, don't run for the break. (laughs) (laughs) It's good to be back in the studio working instead of remote fighting. Oh, man. How'd that go? (laughs) Oh, well, I got everything I needed. Cool. That was the important part. Well, that's the important part, getting what you need done, right? Yep. The vets will be happy. All right, that sounds familiar.
now your host for the Waterman Files, Dr. John Waterman. Welcome to... Welcome to the Waterman Files. Welcome to the Waterman Files. This is Dr. John Waterman coming to you, of course, from deep in the castle. And this is like day 47 of our occupation here in America as the criminals seem to be trying to get more done all the time. Isn't it pathetic? Anyway, I'm glad you're here. Welcome to uh, whenever you are listening. You might be listening late at night, early evening. We are live, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, here on allnews.network. We're also live talk show. Uh, we, uh, We might be getting streamed on Fire Horse Radio and Veterans Truth Radio, and you never know where else. I know that we get put up on uh, YouTube later. But I'm glad you're here, and I just want you to know, of course, that it's important for you to know you're not alone. I hope he's listening to this. We've been fighting a long time, and we have all lost so very much, so many loved ones gone. But you're not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We're at the brink. We're at the brink. We're at the brink. You are not alone. We are in this together. You are not alone. You are not alone. Grundgriff, you are not alone. Grundgriff, you are not alone. We are in this together. Like I said, welcome to the Waterman Files, and uh, we're going to be continuing with... uh, this first hour uh, with uh, a lady that has written a book by the name of Jane Jenkins. The title of her book is Rebuilding After the Explosions. 
I think you're going to be surprised what kind of explosions we're talking about here. In the second hour, we're going to continue with some more information, um, predictions and so forth. But uh, as we go along here, it's just amazing, isn't it? Just exactly what's going on in the news. Chip has been busy. He's finally back at the studios to run things. Thanks, Chip, for for putting up with uh, having to run us while you were on the road, doing it uh, remotely, I know, has to be a real pain. <laughs> but, you know, it's very interesting, folks. All News Network comes from the insiders, right? It comes from the insiders. My mentor was uh, Frank Shin. Who knows how many chips had, of course, working for about every president there is. He has that inside information. If you'll look at allnews.network, the last article up says this, Jeb Bush, hyphen, money laundering, drug trafficking, and cocaine abuse, all of which Chip has personal knowledge of doing, having been in that world, repented, turned his life around, so to speak, and is now a whistleblower. Thanks, Chip, for putting up all news network for us to get out all this information that we all have trouble getting out, of course. And uh, want to say happy birthday. There is a particular listener today that is having a birthday that, oh, looks like they're in the chat room. Welcome to all those in the chat room, by the way. And uh, there's more, I don't know, there's like three chat rooms uh, up there's talk shoe there's all news network there's ground crew can't keep up with them all but but welcome and of course finally here welcome jane how are you today hi thank you so much i'm doing great appreciate you having me <clears throat> well i tell you what i've uh, got this book in front of me and she has just finished writing a book repilled rebuilding after the explosions let me read the second line, though, for you folks. Helping parents put the pieces back together again. Folks, the core of American values is the family. The core that holds us together is the family unit. It's all there. It's supposed to all be there, all these laws that they're tearing apart and keeping us from you know, getting today. Um, it was there, really, originally to protect the family. Now we're getting into some really bad stuff. And Jane, you know, I think what's reflecting today in what people think the law ought to be, same-sex marriage, okay homosexuality, and things like that, comes from what they didn't get taught in families. What's your thoughts? Well, I absolutely agree. And I think we're in a couple generations of having a solid nuclear family, and um, therefore we haven't had that pattern of consistency for a couple of generations, and I think it's really showing up and wreaking a lot of havoc in our family lives. This this thing we call family unit, the nuclear family unit, uh, our, our country, I believe, now there might be people saying no, but they better go back and study history as far as I'm concerned was built around the family. Um, exactly. <clears throat> we have some very, very basic building blocks without those. And, Jane, without some basics, we lose our footing, don't we? 
And uh, exactly. I think that family unit was the foundation. And that can be a small family. I mean, it could just be a, a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. and right. or, or it can be a husband and wife, 10 kids, and uh, that sort of thing. So it could be, you know, all spectrums there. But it's not just that. There are some things that have been going on. What's your opinion? How hard is it? Has it been getting harder and harder for the family to be cohesive, do you think? Oh, I, I definitely do. In fact, we see a lot of grandparents who are raising their grandchildren today. <clears throat> Sorry, I have a frog in my throat. And I think that, that um, we're seeing how common that is, and I think that kind of shows the breakdown for the last couple of generations that we're seeing. I think it's we've got so much fighting against this in our society where wrong is right and right is wrong today. And we need to get back to remembering what really is right and what really is wrong. And we're seeing the consequences of bad behavior and bad choices. And the world seems to be trying to just say it's okay when really we're seeing the the consequences of um, too many years of bad choices, and it's kind of become the norm. And the norm isn't doing real good right now, I don't think. No. Now, you know, there are some people saying, well, norms includes homosexuality and uh, uh, all kinds of other stuff. But you've got a chapter. um, I'm going to back up from this one. It's choices and consequences. What manner of men and women ought we be? And, you know, uh, some time ago here at the holidays, I again reaffirmed the fact that it's my goal, and it's really hard for me, that, you know, we say what we want to actually convey and be honest. But, but legacy living, legacy living is so different when you think about how you want to be remembered, what you want to be remembered as. And, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of, of people, you know, it's kind of hard, isn't it? And it's kind of, it doesn't mean we can't, but we learn so much even after the kids are gone and all of our kids are gone. Well, one of them's here. <laughs> we have a 30-year-old at, at, at home that uh, moved back, back from, a, from a base in Kansas, a military base. He's uh, restructuring. He was just going to be here for a short time. Broke his arm in two places, recovered, and he's now he's now back on the path of uh, getting back to uh, where he was headed in the first place. But 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 what has happened to now? I have all the doctor stuff. We can get into later. You know what have they done to our soaps that, that has sodium lauryl sulfate? which is a estrogen mimicker uh, that might be affecting the hormone levels of, of guys. But what, what are we supposed to be as, a, as men and women? Well, let, let me um, um, just add to that because I, one, of my passion, my, one of my passions is keeping families together, strengthening those bonds. But another passion of mine is is exactly what you do and and good health. And then another passion is the brain. And all three of these things are are tied together in this book. So I add on your uh, the good health portion of this. One of the things that I was excited that I kept running across was the different hormones that 
is an easy fix, and that's why I put it in it, put them in this book. Mm-hmm. And the easy things that we're missing so much by getting some of those dopamine and oxytocin um, kicks that you can get just by hugging, shaking hands, um, having positive experience, eating nutritional food can can do that. And I'm I'm glad you brought that up because that's a that's a key part of my book that I go back to over and over and over because it's so easy to do, but it's part of us. It's who we are, and it's meant to be that way. Yeah. Yeah, I think that. Uh, I, I have I have to okay. say in my in my practice that when I start getting ladies that tell me they could just take a you know uh, knock down a tree and take a bite out of a wall, uh, first thing I do is mm-hmm. go to hormones. And I mean, what we do exactly. is we we just go straight to chemistry. We find out what's out of balance. We put it back in place, right. and, and voila, guess what? They don't want to take right. bites out of a wall. You know when when women that have not had high testosterone levels all their life uh, get exposed to those. I'm not even close. It doesn't even have to be close to what men have. Men, unfortunately, it's it just seems unfair, doesn't it? An 18-year-old boy with heights of hormones. I mean, doesn't that wreak havoc in the home? Here's a here's a young man trying to control some of the highest levels of testosterone, right. and he's a teenager. I mean, it's right. it's it's almost torture, I think. But uh... right, right, I agree. <laughs> well, I'm I'm really glad that you brought brought up the uh, chapter on what mannered men and women ought to be, because this was this is the key to this whole book. This is um, the main message. If there's one message I like to tell people, it's about this. And as I I was teaching parenting classes, and when I came to this concept people's jaws just dropped. And it, it's really a simple concept, but it's also, it's just so easy to do, but it's kind of tricky when you think about understanding how, how it works. Let me see if I can explain it real quick. Um, it comes from the scripture, Mark 7, 6. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And it's about to be, not just to do. And the author, for instance, gives this example. I can take my wife out for a lovely dinner this Friday, which is a to-do. But being a good husband is not an event. It needs to be part of my nature, my character, or who I am. And that's what I focus on more than anything in my classes and in this book is becoming that person that we need to be, and that's parents opportunity to do that and when you think of instilling these wonderful character traits by simply saying okay I'll give you an example Um, as I was teaching these classes and going into the library and had all sorts of boxes and bags and everything almost always there's someone there that would reach out to open up the door for me and I, of course, say thank you. And then I would add, and this is one thing that I've taught myself to do, that was so kind of you. And it's a shame to say it was kind of awkward when I first started doing it. So, see, I'm instilling a character trait within action. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying thank you, I'm saying, I'm, he's walking away thinking, hmm, she called me kind. wonder if that will affect him in the next, you know, five minutes again. Will he do the same thing because he feels better about himself? 
that's the whole idea of helping that child or people in our house um, build their character so that they can be identified with those positive, wonderful character traits and focus on the to be rather than the to do. Um, going to a game later, our, our grandson plays basketball, for instance, so you'd not necessarily focus on the basket they made and what a great shot that was, but you'd focus on the diligence, the hard work, all those character traits, the dedication that it took to get him to that point. Um, let's let's ask a question then. Is it being... Uh, well, I, I don't mean as in being, B-E-A-N, but being, is being more important than what? Uh, in other words, if we always have to focus on what, we could go through an endless list of what we should and shouldn't do, what we should exactly. and shouldn't do, as opposed to having in us a a, a principle that guides the what, and do you right. think that's like a compass. right? Is that is it, do you think, and I, and this is important, and I think that we need to cover this because we're really facing some very very uh, stressful futures coming up, particularly. Absolutely. And if we don't get Very this, for you, oh, extremely. And if we're going to be heading in, say, to another depression, which I hear is going to be pre uh, predicted or announced in July, by the way, um, oh, wow. you know, there's nothing like having extended family or families that once left coming back to home. Or, you know, during the depression, people were having to live together. That puts a lot of stress on right. these relationships. But it doesn't have to make it horrible. But we have to have certain things in place that are actually uh, working, that 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 function and work. And you know, I was uh, when I taught anatomy, I actually told them there is a difference between female and male. I mean, I'm not talking about physiologically. I'm talking about the way that they think. And how they you think. You must not have a politically correct. Uh, uh, no, 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 I didn't. No, no, I, I would. <laughs> <laughs> Heaven well, forbid you, you identify a difference between male and female. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I kind of took an uh, opportunity because when I first got hired at this uh, college to uh, teach this up in Michigan, the state college up there, um, I was hired to start the um, honors program for pre med nursing. And. Uh, so I kind of had them over a barrel because I was the only one uh, doing that, could do it, qualified to do it anyway. And, uh, and so I, uh, I decided to take advantage of it. And this is one of the things that I reached out and said, there's actually a difference. Now, if we learn what these differences are, can't we use those to our advantage? I mean, aren't they advantageous to be different? as opposed to being... Oh, absolutely. Tell us a little bit about I, the consequences of not, you know, defining those differences. I mean, doesn't that come down to some of the things you've been 
You know, doesn't that thing kind of make things messy when we blur the lines? Definitely. Okay. Well, and I and I feel like one of the things that is creating a huge problem is this whole political. I should call it PPP or PPCC. It's I because I always call it political correctness crap. I think it should just be called <laughs> PCC, don't you? <laughs> because it's really making a mess of everything. I think it's made a mess of our government, our the way we interact, our social values, and what. One of the things that, this is a no-nonsense book, and I have also just put a new website up, and it's a no-nonsense website. And I stewed and stewed and stewed over, people are going to slam me because I need to say the tough stuff. But they're so babied these days and not willing to, they're so willing to take offense rather than, open their minds and listen and learn that I ended up, I ended up the very front page of my website has a cartoon that basically says there's a disclaimer, there's a disclaimer underneath it and it's saying, stop, we need tough parents here. So that I could come back and say, I told you this was going to be hard. We don't deal in political correctness here. We need to talk the truth because too many people have been trying to, push or um, soften everything instead of being real and talk about what's going on in our families and what needs to happen. So the website is a no political correctness here. In fact, we even have a controversial article one time a month and with the idea of let's learn how to talk again. Let's learn how to communicate. Let's learn how to agree to disagree and understand that everyone comes from a different perspective and we can learn and grow by listening and learning from each or from each other, and so I really think it's way overdue to start being frank and say the hard things. And there's some tough stuff in this book. Um, pornography, it is, to me, is the scariest thing that I have recently learned about. That is discussed. That you know, seventy percent of women and men are about the same. It varies just a few percentage points don't see that there's anything wrong with pornography. Wow. And yet when you when you get into this and you find out and you read the information that I have in here about that, it is absolutely off the chart terrifying. And it's because of what happens in the brain. And it it causes lack of bonding. Um, just like having sex when kids are under sixteen affects their brain to where they have a hard time bonding the more partners they have. Wow. And everything is set. It's those hormones again. Those things are set up for a reason, and we have those bonding chemicals in our body for a reason, and it's meant to be a man and a woman that bond and raise children together. And we've gone so far off the chart with everything that it's time to come back and say some hard things and say, look, if you really want your family to be healthy and strong, You've got to start acting like parents. My website's called Shaping the Parents because parenting's not for women. Okay, give us that website and again. It's what? Shapingthechild.com. Shapingthechild.com. That's your website, okay. Yes. Uh-huh. And Shaping the Child Parenting because parenting is not for women. And it's and I needed to give it a strong statement just to say you're going to expect tough stuff, 
So let's get started and let's learn baby. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know, this is an adult approach to it. We have to. We have to actually be honest with each other about where the problems lie. Shapingthechild.com. You know, I can tell this is a passion for you. And we talked about, you know, how long did it take you to write your book and so forth. But why did you decide to write the book? Why don't we go there well, for a second? It's, it's kind, of a, kind of an interesting story. Um, when I was in my internship for my master's degree, and I was doing, um, and I was, um, working as, like I said, it was during my internship, I'm sorry, Okay. and I was working with parents and children, and it was a school-based program, so getting the kids was easy, didn't require <laughs> any work on the parents' part, because we just went into their class and got them and, and came and did counseling with them, but the frustrating part was trying to connect up at least once a month with the parents, and it was mm-hmm. so obvious that the children were not the problem, it was the parents that were the problem. And that's how come um, I just started getting so frustrated because we'd be working with these children, we'd be working on goals and objectives, looking like they should be able to get discharged soon, and then they'd go home to another explosion, air quotes, and that's how it entered into the name of my book, and then they'd come back and we'd start over at square one again. And those are the different explosions in our lives that happen that we've just got to learn how to deal with and understand that you can almost always look back and you can find an explosion and you can turn it around and what good came from this. And that's a lot of what I teach is explosions going to happen to everyone and it takes it takes the willpower to realize that you can put things back together. Therefore, the end of the book is um, helping parents put the pieces back together. But we've got to have strong parents to do it. So you asked me, I went that direction. Oh, how did I get started working with kids? Mm-hmm. Is that what you asked? How, how did you decide to write this book? What caused you to want to do okay, this? Okay, that's it. That's it. Okay. What caused me wanted, wanting to do this was I just felt like it was hopeless, trying to help children without getting to the parents, without working in with helping the parents first. And my boss, asked, she just asked in a meeting, she said, the probation officer is asking for a parenting class. Is there anyone? And before she ended the sentence, my hand shot up. I love teaching. And I know that the parents is, is where the work needs to happen. And so I volunteered to teach this parenting class. Well, it was, uh, unfortunately, it was court-recommended instead of court-ordered. So oh. parents weren't showing up. Uh. And I, I, I had enough classes. I did about six months of the classes, about one a month, for, for parents of children on probation. And so they didn't have to go because it wasn't court order that court recommended. And so I just, they finally called the classes were dwindling just because they didn't have to show up. Mm-hmm. Well, at the end of every class, I did an evaluation and asked them what they learned, what they, how, and what they rated it, and et cetera. And when I had just decided, look, it's not working, we've got to do something else, it, until the judges are willing to court order them, this is just a waste of my time. So I uh, ended up, uh, I didn't want to lose my train of thought here. 
<laughs> oh, okay. I looked at the evaluation. I'm sorry. I was afraid I'd do this. I looked at the evaluations as I was putting things away. I, I looked at this big pile of evaluations, and it brought me to tears because they were off the chart wonderful. I mean, they were almost all absolutely perfect marks, and they commented on how much they've learned, and it just made me so sad because people were not going to them mm-hmm. when they really could be helpful. And that's when it just popped into my head, and I don't think it was just by chance it popped into my head. You've got, obviously, this program is good. You've got to get it in a book. And so this is a parenting class, plus about four times the material, and it took me about two years. You have to the revisions and all that. It took me about a full two years to, to get it all together. But a lot of research has gone into it. <laughs> Folks, we're going to take a break. After the break, I'm going to have her go over something. You know, I know you've got some uh, things like uh, the five love languages, but I ran into a book not too long ago that kind of made it easy for guys. Guys like formulas. You know, that's just the way we think. Mm -hmm. Um, We like to have a here's what's wrong, here's how you fix it answer, you know. Right. And 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 so I think we can get into some of that kind of stuff a- after this uh, break. I'm going to give us a break here uh, at the right, in about uh, well we'll do it right now. Chip will I'll uh, I'll play the music after the music. Uh, we'll be right back uh, with uh, some I call it the the four gifts of love. We'll be right back. <laughs>
30 seconds. Welcome back to The Waterman Files. This is Dr. John Waterman. My guest today is uh, Jane Jenkins, and we're talking about her book, uh, The Rebuilding, uh, well, it's not The Rebuilding, but just Rebuilding After the Explosion, Helping Parents Put Back the Pieces or Put the Pieces Back Together Again. But I think it really begins in understanding ourselves as parents. (laughs) Maybe even before that, understanding each other before we get married. And so that's where I'd like to kind of go for a second here. You know, I ran into this book about the four gifts of love, and then those. uh, it said one of the things that this pastor did to get people to sit down and understand what's going on when we, quote, fall in love, is to figure out where our needs are. Now, I thought, well, we all have those. Well, guys have a little pot that's a little bit different than women. And so let me kind of give you the right. the, the differences that uh, he was telling about. He said, now, guys. Are you referring to his need to needs? The book, Gifts and Eternities? Uh, no. Uh, the four, Are you talking about five love languages? Uh, the Four Gifts of Love, actually, was the name of the book. Uh, I've heard oh, of the okay. fi- I've heard of the five. I, I can't remember. Okay. S- Smalley might be the author. I'd I'd have to go running off the bookshelf somewhere and get it. Yeah, I'm familiar with him. I I was I okay. I thought you were talking about the book I had referenced. That's right. Um, no, I don't think I don't think so. Um, what they did was they said they wanted to. Basically, he says if you want to keep your marriage together, you have to spend five uh, fifteen hours a week meeting, deliberately meeting the needs of your spouse. Well, how are you going to know what those needs are unless you know what they are? And so before he said they got married, he ever married anybody, he had them write it down. So he went through these steps. Well, the steps were, what is it that you think you need uh, from your spouse? What is it that you like or what is it that you need from that person? Well, guys' list might be, a cook, <laughs> domestic in other words, or they might have to be beautiful. They may, not always. Uh, they might also have to do things like admire him. They might have to be an um, admirer. He has. He might have a big need to, uh, to be the the knight in shining armor, right? Um, right. Uh, now there could be some other things like that in his list, and uh, and so her list might be. Loyal. His another one might be uh, security, uh, and another big one that comes in the women's usually before the men's is communications. Right? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> oh, that's a woman. <laughs> Not that it shouldn't be there, but what he what he was saying is once you honestly meet and write down a guy's lists are all different. Women's are different, but they all kind of seem to flow in the kind of same categories. As soon as as soon as soon somebody out there starts meeting some of those needs, in other words, let's say a guy uh, has this need to be thought of as the knight in shining armor. Let's say he's married and he's not getting admired by his wife. 
what all what happens all of a sudden at the office is if he has a secretary, let's say, and she begins to say things like, "Man, you did this really good. This worked out great." Well, he's not actually looking at her and saying, "I'm attracted to her." He's not saying that at all. But if she starts meeting those needs and he's not getting it from the spouse, all of a sudden he doesn't know it. He's going to switch. And he's going to start, quote, having his need for love that's in, right. on that love list fulfilled by right. somebody else. And that's why it's so dangerous that if we don't know what our needs are, who we are, and what our spouse needs, and, he's, and he said this, you have to spend 15 hours a week meeting the top three out of five needs on that list or you will not stay together. And I think today we don't stay together. Right, exactly. That sounds very much like one of the books that I, I have seven books that I highlight in my in my book. Okay. So you're really getting a bang for your buck with <laughs> this book. Because uh, the Dr. Harley, Dr. Willard Harley, is the one that wrote His Needs, Her Needs, and that's actually oh, one well, of them. I have yeah, that's the, one, that's the one that wrote, I just yeah, got Dr. told. Harley. Yeah, he's the one that wrote yeah. The Four Gifts of Love, too. So uh, it's the same guy. I okay, thought it was Smalley. Okay. But well, it's just, yeah. yeah. He has uh, his needs, her needs, and it's uh, in the chapter called How Strong Is Your Foundation. Ah. And the uh, the men's needs typically are need to be admired, like you said, okay. an attractive spouse, domestic support, recreational companionship, and sexual fulfillment. The women's typical needs are affection, conversation, openness, family commitment, financial support, and honesty and openness. And those, and this is a, a fairly substantial chapter in my book that is so important, and I think couples will love it. And he talks about 15 hours a week. So I knew it, it had to have been him, <laughs> unless someone just mimic, got a, their material from him. But people said, think that sounds like such a, someone said that to me. They said, that's just not even realistic. I said, okay, now just wait a minute. Okay, 15 hours a week is a little over two hours a day. So two hours a day in the evening, are you telling me you can't give two hours a day to your wife? My, <laughs> my one question would be, how long are you on Facebook? <laughs> you can't tell me, you cannot tell me you're too busy if you can be scrolling around on the Internet for two hours. What's more important, seeing what your neighbors are doing or having intimate relationship with your wife? And that's what, it's a matter of priority, and that's what takes tough parents and tough spouses is to really want that foundation, that solid, secure foundation for your children, for your family. Now, how important is it for the children to see this? I mean, absolutely. isn't this what, where they're... What else is going to be their role model? There is no other role model. Look at the world today. Um. When we make these lists out, it's never too late to do this, by the way. I think it's kind of fun. Um, you know, most people, they start hearing about a, a show like this. Uh, they really don't think it's engaging, you know, into the problems of the world and so forth. But actually, if we're, you know, how many people, uh, Jane, have you seen where the husband is on one page and the wife is completely on a different page? It's like they don't have, they're almost like a two uh, team of horses pulling against each other. 
they're not going on that same path, are they? A lot of them are just, and what's that do to the kids? I mean, it just well, has to tear what, them apart. And what's so sad about that is, why do you get married? Oh, we have so much in common. And isn't it amazing <laughs> how that changes once they've been married a while? <laughs> All of a sudden it's like, how did we ever get together? We have nothing in common. And But I guarantee you, if you will take that two hours a night or two hours a day, whenever, and have alone time with each other, you will get back to that marriage and that person that we had so much in common. When they know your priority, how important is it? How is your son going to know how to treat his his wife? And if they don't, if they see that the parents are making each other a priority and they are united front, those kids are going to not buck the system as much if they know that mom and dad are united. What and about what about what about security? What about the people that are before they're married? Uh, you know, a lot of times, have you ever seen two people that look like they're getting serious and you know they really shouldn't be together? They just right. are, you know, and they always say opposites attract. <laughs> I don't know how that can, you know, that works with magnets. It actually helps to have two opposites to have children, obviously, a male and a female. Uh, but if you don't have very important things in common, it just does not work, does it? So how can people navigate through this? What would you recommend they do to, to kind of get everybody on the same team of horses? Where does that start? What would you say? Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm not here to talk about things that are popular. So let me throw out something that everyone's going to groan at and think that I am just totally <laughs> old-fashioned and outdated. Okay, here goes. Um, what reason do people have to get married when they have <clears throat> sex with each other so early in the relationship? Okay. And we just talked about the bonding hormones that occur naturally. I think that Emily Father gave us that so that you'll bond with that one partner and have children. I think that's the ultimate plan. And obviously we have, it works. It works. I don't need to get any more crude than that. It works. <laughs> that's meant to work. Mm-hmm. And when we have that, uh, those hormones going on that are creating a sense of bonding and engagement with each other with maybe the very wrong person. Before you have time to check out and go, you know, I don't really like. Well, when they have sex so early in the relationship and all of a sudden they're the head's in it rather than, no, the heart's in it and those those bonding feelings are there, but their head's not in it to where they're going, you know what, I don't like this about him, this about him, this about him. <laughs> but, man, I love this guy. I can't live without him. But when it really comes down to it, they don't have anything probably, in common. There's probably a lot that they really don't like. And I think mm-hmm. that's a huge part of the problem because people have sex so early on. The statistics that I ran across were unbelievable how quickly people have sex. I, I have a paragraph here. If I could find it, I would talk about that um, because it, it happens very, very quickly. It's that, well, this is with teen behavior. It says teens move very quickly from dating to sex in their first romantic relationships. According to one study, almost wow. one of three teens 
reported that they had sex in the same month or before their dating relationship began. Another 35% reported they initiated first sex within the first three months of their relationship. That's fast. So, so, some of the, so what you're saying is the act of sex creates a, a bond, whether there's interest in the same things or not. And so before we get to the quote bonding part, we really should be finding out other things first. Do, do do we, you know, what if one person just loves red and wants all the, the walls in their house to be red and the other one hates red? I mean, you'd have a war every morning. You get up and you wake up to red walls, see? So what you're saying is really the traditional approach to courting or dating and then marriage is going to make you a happier person, right? It works, yes. And so that's what people need to choose. That's what people need to choose before they start dating. What, those are the choices that parents need to teach their children. This is the most important decision you will make in your life. You have got to treat this with kid gloves and do everything you possibly can do right. The statistics mm-hmm. prove beyond a doubt that people who wait until marriage to have sex Stay married longer. There is no doubt that that is true. You, you've got respect for each other. That's a pretty basic thing. And mm-hmm. it always frustrated me when I was a youth because it was like guys were willing to uh, have sex with girls, but they didn't want to marry them. <laughs> yeah, that's, that like, sounds what familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a hypocrite. You know, and, and if if they got their way with them, then they were labeled the bad girls and they didn't want to marry them. They were willing to take the virginity away, but not willing to be the man and mm-hmm. honor the woman and have rex- respect for the woman. And if he doesn't respect, how's it, how are the kids? How's he's gonna? What kind of role model is he going to be right. for kids if that respect is not there? It really comes down to good old-fashioned values. And, yeah, you can laugh all you want and believe that they're not there, but you know what? There are people out there that are living those values and have those values and model them for their children, and they are living good, happy lives. Do they have a perfect life? Absolutely not, because explosions happen to everyone, (laughs) because that's just life. And we grow from those things. We wouldn't want to take all those away because we grow from them. We become stronger because of it. But we just got to get back to some good values and teach our children those same values. You know, it really doesn't take a manager to be involved in a business when everything's going well. What makes what makes a manager a a really shining person, and sometimes it shows how lousy they are, is when a business starts having trouble. How well is that taken care of? So. Backing up a little bit here, would it be advantageous for parents to sit down with their kids and try and get them to, you know, maybe if they're, you know, 16, 17, 18, sit down and say, let's talk about relationships and what you think your needs are as a person so that they can know what really makes them, you know, what attracts somebody to somebody else is because their needs getting met. But sometimes, the, I know guys, I didn't know what mine were. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and 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 uh, 
sometimes, believe it or not, something on my list isn't going to be on, in a, on another list. And that you can get that in a conversation right. when a bunch of guys are going, "Look at that gal over there," and you go, "Are you right. kidding?" You, and then somebody else will go, "You're kidding me. What what about her?" And and they have a well, difference. You know, there's nothing being met by one, but yet on the other one there is. So we need right. to make lists, and don't think, we? Yeah, and I think it's also a good idea to prioritize that list. What is a deal breaker for me? If this is a need that I have and this is something that's vitally important to me, mm-hmm. then that needs to be a, a deal breaker that I don't marry this person. If if we don't have those same val- core values, and don't agree on those same core values while they're raising children. Right, right. Let's go on to another topic in your thing is we've got a family. The husband and wife are compatible. They have, so to speak, met their needs. They have those values. Uh, And all of a sudden the kids just go crazy off into another world. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I didn't raise my kids that way. Why are they doing right. this? What, what, what do you suggest? What's, what's going on today? Do you see more of that? I should ask that question first. Definitely, because the foundation, meaning the parent, is not, it's sometimes just absent. It's just sometimes not even there. And that foundation is what those children need before you can rebuild that house. You have to have a strong, secure, sound foundation. And if they don't have that, they're going to falter, and they're going to go looking other places for it. Um, And heaven forbid, the places that they look when they don't have that secure foundation from from the parents. Um, Well, they get pretty risky in their... Uh, they get real risky in, in, in some of the things they do as opposed to what adults do. I mean, it doesn't even have to be about couples and, and girlfriend and boyfriend. I mean, it can be, you know, uh, a long time ago, if a, if a boy at 18, before he went to college, says, he goes to mom and dad and says, Mom, Dad, I'm going to go hiking uh, all summer. Uh, I'm going to, you know, I don't know where I'm going to be. I'm going to take the van. I'm going to take off. Sometimes that can be kind of scary, but if you've got solid values, uh, that's not so risky. Now, if it was a gal saying that, in my traditional thought is uh, you're not physically capable of fending off trouble if it came where a a guy might be able to. Well, there's wimpy guys, too, but but generally speaking, you don't see a a bunch of girls ganging up on a guy. I've never seen it myself, but... Um, uh, right. That might happen, of course, if it's if it's a girl. What you've got here is in chapter fourteen. It says explosions l- due to the lack of boundaries. Um, yes. Why don't you explain that a little bit? Oh my goodness! This the fourteen fifteen. If the, if the book, if you get the book and the book goes slow for you at the beginning, and you know more <laughs> about parenting than maybe the average person, jump ahead to fourteen and fifteen, and I guarantee it will get your attention. These two chapters um, have to be some of the most terrifying chapters in the book, <laughs> and it's the lack of boundaries. It, it really is. It's scary mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, but yeah. it's important stuff. But the lack of boundaries. And it, a lot of it has to do with the adolescent brain. When I was taking my human growth and development class um, for my degree, 
I just remember just being terrified, and it was there was kind of an aha moment for me when you understood the adolescent brain. Everyone should go have go Google the adolescent brain, and you will find out way more information, and it'll all click, and you'll go, that's why they're acting like that. <laughs> now the scary part, the scary part is that adolescents can go all the way up to 27, 28 years old. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, that would, that's incredible, that's isn't it? a long time. Yeah. And look how many people, get in, how many youth get into adult stuff, behaviors, such as pornography, as we were talking about earlier. Those kind of things with that brain is recipe for disaster. And that's where so much, and see, and we now we have kids these days that are parenting their parents. I mean, where the parents are not really being parents, and it's like, well, what do you think you should do? And they're just being too wimpy to where they need to set some boundaries for their children instead of allowing their children to run their lives and make their decisions themselves. They don't have the brain to do that. And that's what drives me crazy about hearing parents talk some days. It's like, who is the adult here? Come on, folks. Nothing like nothing like tearing a family to pieces when one parent really seems to not care or give a flip. Right. And the other one has to kind of take the pendulum approach and even become more strict, more authoritarian than they want to be because they're not getting enough from the other spouse. And so you've got a real difference that the, that, the, that the kids see too, don't they? Right. Right. And that's why it's necessary to have two parents. Not one parent and one kid um, in an adult body. And I'm not saying man or woman, it could be either. But that this foundation chapter on uh, his and her needs is really, really a good chapter that parents need to read and so they can get on the same page. So they can be a united front and where mom doesn't pit dad against, where they don't pit each other, you know, against the kids or against, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. They are a united front instead of, having the kids taking taking sides. <laughs> I'm not saying this right at all. I hope everyone understands what I'm talking about because I just, you're not coming out of my mouth right. Well, let's talk. Let, let, let's They're talk, actually going to be united. Let's talk some more about this. We're going to be going to the top of the hour break. Uh, hour's already gone. Let's uh, have her come. Can you stay for a little bit past the top of the hour? Jane? You, Jane, can you? Jane? Oh. Can you? Um, how much, how much longer? Um, I'll tell you what. Why don't we do this? Why don't I just have you come back for a whole nother hour? Because I, 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 I think we've got a lot to talk about. Because there's some things like addictions, social behavior, alcohol. Right. Um, we haven't even gotten into, you know, um, hooking up, really. Uh, not being right. wimpy. Setting, you know... And, oh, and that's and, really scary stuff. <laughs> There's a lot it, more scary stuff, folks. Well, <laughs> so why don't we just call it good? Uh, why don't you give us your website? Okay, why don't you give us your okay. website again? Shapingthechild.com. Shapingthechild.com. And her book, and it's yep. on Amazon, isn't it? Yes, it is. Amazon and Rebuilding After the Explosion is Helping Parents Put the Pieces Back Together. Well, I got to tell you, it's some frank discussion in here, folks, and um, we've got to we've got to have this kind of stuff. And why why this is important to me, uh, Jane, 
is if this country falls apart, we better have this straight or we're not going to have anything to put together for. We have to have fundamentally our family unit under control. And we've got to build this country back for the family. Now, that does not mean we leave out people that aren't married. I mean, that's not the point. One person right. can be a family. Uh, right. We'll just have to get into all that kind of stuff later. Well, we're at the top of the well, hour. And, and, they need, and they need to book more than ever because they've got to play the both mom and dad. And there's plenty of families out there, and thank you for bringing that up, because it's not that because you don't have a regular nuclear family that you can't benefit from this. You need it even more to make up that difference. Plus, I want them to be really, really smart about getting married again and the next next one they find because typically the more divorces the more divorces the more marriages the more divorces is what's typical and we don't want that to happen so thank you for inviting me back i would love to come we'll do that thank you for your time i appreciate it thank you for coming this is jane jenkins thank you jane for coming we're All gonna right. we're gonna thank go you. now thank you very much okay folks we'll All be right. right back after this we'll be doing more Jimmy's ring you're wearing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gee, it must be great riding me. Mm-hmm. Is he picking you up after school today? Mm-hmm. By the way, I read you here. Yes, we see. That's what I fell for. Leader of the pack. I spoke so long.
book of Joe we read, in the beginning was the word, and the word was coffee. And in that elixir was inspiration, rapture, revelation, and transcendence. Welcome back to the Waterman Files. This is Dr. John Waterman coming to you from deep inside the castle. This is uh, the top of the second hour, and tonight we're going to be talking about predictions in the future again in a little different way, even though you know what's been going on. We had six hours last week of WebBot predictions, and uh, i got to tell you a couple things before we go that's kind of housekeeping about the Waterman Files website. Box.com, which I had embedded everything there for my audios and and a lot of other things, like the book that I kept telling you guys to make and avail yourself of, uh, they got persnickety and took stuff out of my thing without telling me. Now, it wasn't a book. It wasn't a copyrighted issue. In fact, here's what they did. I had some information up there about a long time ago when it was really hot and heavy about Obama not being qualified as a president 
because he wasn't born here. That was according to some information that that sheriff out in Arizona had. Well, guess what? A box went into that private, my private account, and and destroyed that information without telling me. So I let him have it. Well, it's ended up now that they were going to, um, I was going to renew, and they didn't tell me they were going to make a 30% jump in increase in it. And they got sideways of me. I thought we had this stuff settled. And before I knew it, they had, well, let's just say it was gone. I was pretty fortunate, folks, that I had everything backed up. I have an external drive before I put it there. I put it up on my personal one that I can put in my hand. Well, here's the deal. Now I've got to, and and uh, we got sideways of them, and uh, we told them, look, we do not appreciate the integrity and the lies and the thievery. And uh, it wasn't just a few moments later, boom, they had uh, shut the account down. That's how that's how they behave. See, folks, some of these companies like Box, Facebook, Google, uh, they seem to have, and and PayPal is one of them too. They have to they have this authoritarian control, and they say they're not going to do anything over ten bucks or two bucks or or whatever. Okay, well, this is like a hundred and twenty dollars, and so they're not going to do anything, and so they just act like they can be King Kong. Well, they're not going to they're not going to break laws and become that kind of problem. And so I'm now in the search of another uh type of way to embed and give you guys um these things that I kept posting up like forms and books, uh, audio files, they're still there, okay? I have already figured out how I'm going to put the audio files up for you guys to have an I'm going to have an archive page. So that's coming, so that's kind of down right now. Avail yourself, of course, of the allnews.network audio archive for all the shows here on All News Network. And if we're streaming on TalkShoe, I'm going to leave those up and available. But what I'm trying to tell you is that, you know, when I used to archive these, I used to take out a lot of the, if there was a lot of stuff that was big gaps in it, I would edit that out. If there was trouble on the network and we hadn't started for a while and there was all this music, I would cut the music out. So what you were getting was always edited so that it was just nice and easy to listen to. Um, And if we had gobs of commercials, like if it was a GCN broadcast, which is, oh, man, 45 minutes is all you get out of every hour to talk because 15 of it's ad. You don't get that here at All News, but it is needing your support. You need to contribute to All News Network. So that's what's going on. Tonight, what we're going to talk about is the future. And one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about was God's calendar. We've been talking about the web bot and what it's saying. But what is God's calendar? Do you know what God's calendar is. And so this comes from many, many years of research that I put together. And uh, I think uh, 
I didn't have time to publish it, so I have an unpublished book. And uh, that's, uh, in fact, my, my wife had sketched an idea for the front cover of the book and the, everything. Well, anyway, um, I was trying to get remember here and ask her what the title uh, was that we had settled on. But the bottom line is this, is it was predictions about the future based on God's calendar. Now, the calendar that you think I'm going to talk to you about isn't probably what you think I'm going to talk to you about. But we do have a calendar. We have this thing that he calls a calendar. It's a celestial calendar giving us Christ's birth his death, and now his return. Now, I became first interested in finding out what this point was because of some stuff that I read in, in uh, Revelations. Let me give you the, the, let me give you the Revelation, that, uh, the book of Revelation, by the way. Uh, it's uh, chapter 12, verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. Now, when you start looking at that, you go, what in the world does that mean? And then you start reading about Revelation. And there's this whore that mounts the beast and all that kind of stuff. But let me read you another one. This gives us the fundamentals of his timepiece, the Father created this thing for us to know what's coming by using something that's apolitical or apolitical, whatever you want to call it. It has no politics in it. It cannot be changed by man. It cannot be influenced by man. But the secret of knowing that time piece, where it's at and how to re read it, has been fought over for thousands of years. Genesis 1.14 says, And God said, Let there be light in the firmament of heaven and divide the day, of course, from the night. And it, then it says, And divide the day from the night. And guess what he says next? Let them be for signs. So we're told right off the bat, right off the get-go in Genesis that the signs that we should be looking at are in the heavens. So when we see a woman clothed in the sun with a moon under her feet and a crown of uh, 12 stars on her head, it also says she was pregnant, about ready to give birth. And then there was another sign in the heaven that said there was this enormous red dragon with seven he uh, heads ten horns and seven crowns on his head, and that his tail swept one-third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth, and that this dragon stood in front of the woman ready to devour the sun as soon as they were, as the, uh, this child was, or uh, devour the child as soon as it was born. You're starting to get some pretty bizarre stuff here. In fact, let me Put it in this term. We know that this woman happened to be Mary. 
but how do we know what's all this stuff with the you know the moon at her feet and the sun uh with the sun uh, overhead and all that clothed in the well how does that fit well we got to go back in history <clears throat> and where I want to go first, folks, is you know the story of Christ's birth. You know he was born in Bethlehem. You knew that there were some wise men that came to see Christ and to give him homage. But too many of our movies and too many of our stories shorten it down to making it really kind of hard to comprehend what the heck's going on. For example, a lot of people think it was an angel that appeared. So let me kind of go through it with the scenario of it being an angel that you thought was actually looking like a star but was an angel. All right, now don't get that mixed up with the shepherds, okay? We're talking about the wise men. These wise men from the Far East came into Israel, the Holy Land. And the very first place that they went to was not where Christ was, but they went to Jerusalem. Christ at that point was not at Jerusalem. Well, so goes this angel for being real good at guiding these wise men, huh? Because when they show up in Jerusalem and there's no Jesus... Why would an angel do that? Well, because well, they didn't. An angel didn't do it. Here's actually what happened, folks. What we have in Scripture, not only is it we've been told in Genesis to look for the signs of certain events we looked at, the uh, events that we've seen in the past, we can say, okay, did it actually line up with anything celestial? Well, it did. If you go back and you figure out when he was born, now there's a big fight about whether one of the kings of, of Israel happened to be Herod. Now, Herod, by the way, was a bad guy. Now, the reason why I can tell you that was that <laughs> he's a bad guy, well, he was placed in as king, and we're going to back up a long ways here and talk about how these stars are lining up for an event, yep, an event in front of us that matches actually up with the WebBot report. Now, this is kind of going to put hair on, you know, this is going to raise the hairs on your back of your neck if you've got any there. <laughs> but you... But what I want to get to first is researching celestial signs is not astrology. Stars are God's timepiece and God's calendar. Astrology is not. Astrology is saying this. I can tell you what you're going to do, how you're going to behave, blah, 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 blah. Based on the stars. In other words, you have no free will. Well, that's actually back in Christ's time. 
if these guys were following uh, the stars because they studied astrology when they got Jerusalem, they would have been killed because it was a punishable by death practice, occult practice, demonic practice to research and use astrology. But astronomy was not. To know how the stars move, to know what's coming in God's calendar, you've got to understand how they move. Well, in God's calendar, there was some math in that, and that math was given us has given us the ability, folks, to know the movement of the stars. Now, who first looked at that? Well, Copernicus, Copernicus in the 1600s, he figured out that the sun was the center of our solar system. Now today, you have this real bizarre, really, really bizarre movement of flat earthers saying that they got their ideas from the Bible. They did not. And I'll, and I'll prove it. But the guy that actually figured out the math of how and where a star had come from because he used math to know his path and what date it was and where it was on that date, was Kepler, Johannes Kepler in the 1600s also. He figured out the math that could track planets and stars. Now, before math uh, was being used by Kepler or Kepler's math, we could not figure out where planets were in the past. We had no idea where in the past the planets were. Up till then, all we could do is see signs immediately. So when the wise men saw the signs is when they acted. They saw a celestial astronomical event that was extremely unique. And they moved upon it. And so as they began to travel 700 miles, by the way, on foot and on animal, <laughs> it took a while. When they got there, was Jesus still in a manger? Nope. He wasn't. In fact, if you recall, Herod is where they showed up at the palace, thinking that the new king that they wanted not to just pay homage to, but to literally worship as God, was not at that palace. It wasn't Herod's child. Herod was an Edomite. He was not even he was not even an Israelite because they murdered the true Israelite king and put Herod in his place. Well when Herod found out he was they were coming to worship the new king, they of course thought that Herod had had a son and they thought, well, it'd be in the east, right? They saw the sign, they showed show up in, in Jerusalem, and whoops, guess what? Wrong spot. So they even the king met in secret with the wise men to find out when they saw the sign. Now, when did they see the sign? Why did the king want to know when they saw it? Because he wants to know what time, how long it had been since the king had been born. Well, when they told him... What did Herod do? He went to Bethlehem, where, in fact, he asked. Then he asked them where. Uh, well, let me back up and say it this way. He called in all of his own advisors and so forth, and they said, "Yep, 
There was to be a king born, and he was to be born in Bethlehem, and blah, 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 blah. So he had the location, he had the time when he was born. So that's why King Herod went out and killed all the two-year-olds and younger, because it had been a while since the wise men, which were way over there maybe in uh, Iraq or even Iran, they were in old Babylon, okay, and they traveled east. Actually, they traveled west, sorry. And it took them a while to get there. That's why you ask them when, because they knew then, he knew then when he was born, and he said, okay, I'll just kill them all under two. And, of course, that's what they tried doing. But, of course, uh, Jesus' parents were warned to leave, and they left, and Jesus didn't get killed. One of the first things, though, Kepler did after he found out his math and figured out how the planets were, guess what he did? He was in the 1600s, by the way, Kepler was. He looked for the star of Bethlehem, a real physical sign in the heavens about the birth of Christ. But because he didn't know when to look for, he never found it. Why? Well, if you look in some of the more current uh, books, you're going to see that Herod was the kind of date setter. His reign is what they made dates from. And so Herod's death, of uh, some people were saying, was 4 B.C. But earlier than the 1600 manuscripts, earlier, earlier, and earlier, the ones that all agreed and actually had the, the date correct was it was 1 B.C. Why am I saying this is important? Because stars do not appear in the same place, nor do the planets from one day to the next, much less from year to year. So he was trying to find, believe it or not, Kepler used all that math to then one of the very first things to do. In fact, he wrote two books about the star of Bethlehem. But let me go back and tell you a little bit about King Herod, because this is real important about what we're getting ready to talk about in the last half hour here. King Herod was an Edomite. Now, there was this guy by the name of Hyrcanus II, and on his death, his sons struggled to gain leadership, but Antipater murdered those two sons, okay, and put his son in as king. Who in the heck was Antipater? Well, he co-ruled with Hyrcanus. In other words, folks, over this area where well, there was uh, uh, Julius Caesar in charge, but over that area he had some governors. Two of them ruling side by side was Hyrcanus and Antipater. They murdered the rightful king of Israel, and then there was a struggle between these two guys to get control of that area of the world. And then one of those killed the other, okay? And by the time it was all said and done, <coughs> one of these rulers then put his son in as the king over Israel. Well, that happened to be Herod. By murder, Israel had a son. By murder, Israel had a non-Israelite ruling over Israel, 
and he was an Edomite. Or if you want to be more current with that terminology, he was a Khazarian Jew. That's who was ruling. He was a Khazarian. But anyway, so Kepler thought that since Herod had died in 4 BC, he only looked, you know, before that, like in 5 and 6 and 7 BC, but he never saw the sign. However, when you find out that actually other manuscripts say he died in 1 BC, and you look in like 2 and 3 BC, voila, you'll see it. Now get this. If you will look in 1 BC, you will see some signs in the heaven. And these signs are about the planet Jupiter, which is called the king planet, okay? And Arculus is a a sun. Now, this sun is also called, by other names, it was also a, a royalty thing, okay? But anyway, you have a, a sun and a planet interacting with each other. You have the brightest star, largest star in the heaven, interacting with the largest planet in the heaven, which was called King. And this planet would go around and around in the sky, circling the head of this constellation, which happened to be in the constellation of Leo. What's Leo? It's a lion. What are the astrology signs? There's 12, right? Well, one of them, I want you to know, was replaced by the demons and the devils and the New Agers with a sign called Scorpio. Before that, it wasn't known as Scorpio. All the rest were left alone. It was important for you to know, though, the sign of Scorpio is demonic. It also happens to be the sign Hillary Clinton is born in. She's often called a triple Scorpio. But Christians have always kind of been reserved about doing anything with stars because they think it's astrology. But the wise men were doing astronomy, and they saw a sign that had to deal with the king of the planets, representing the King Christ, who had been crowned with the largest star. And all the signs that were described in the Bible about his birth were right there in the sky, and so that's why they came west to worship him, because the signs in the heavens astrologically were pointing to an event. The Father gives us signs in the heavens, timepieces, and special events like the end times and the seven-year tribulation period and the midpoint and the end and so forth, those all are in the heavens. They're all there. So we can read in Job 9.9, he is the maker of the bear and Orion, the Pleiades and the constellations of the south. So he's talking to the guy that, uh, the oldest book, by the way, in the Bible is Job. More than likely the oldest one. And here we have a picture of a guy that, you know, Job was tested, right? And he starts complaining. And then God was telling Job in Job 38, where it's verse 31 and 32, he says, Can thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades? 
Can thou loose the the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Maseroth in his season? What's a Maseroth? That's that's the zodiac. Folks, the zodiac is the 12 signs, and they're not New Age. Those are the 12 tribes of Israel. And which tribe was Jesus born into? Judah, that's who. And what sign is the tribe of Judah? The lion. So the sign that they saw was in the zodiac, in the sky, in the constellation Leo, which is the lion, talking about a king in this once-in-a-lifetime, once-in-forever sign they saw it that he was born. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day, they, the stars and the planets, utter a speech. This is in Psalms 19, okay? And the night showeth us knowledge. The scripture is telling us, look to the stars and to the signs and to those constellations and drop the New Age junk from it and think of them in terms of the planets. Folks, if you will look at the planet signs, they match the the signs of each one of the tribes of Israel. The devil has taken our knowledge away from us and stolen it to put it into another terminology here. He's trying to send our answers to a lot of God's timetable to hell by by cloaking it. He stole all this information, he changed the terminology, and then says, you know, it's this when it's not. The stars don't tell us what to do. The stars are timetables of what God has planned. And the devil doesn't want you to know what's planned. The writings of David state that the stars communicate. I just read that, but it says here in uh, Psalms again, after those first two verses I just quoted, there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. There's not one place on this planet that the stars aren't seen. Their line is not gone throughout, excuse me, their line is gone throughout all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun. In other words, folks, from anywhere on this planet you can read the Zodiac. And you can see what's going on. And I've been trying to tell you that there was an event that occurred. A special event occurred that caused us to think that we have an anchor point for the great midpoint of the tribulation period. Let me just tell you what it is. It's uh, going to be uh, described in Scripture. And we can go right back, right back to where... (laughs) right back to that sign and find out that there's another sign of a virgin, just like Mary was a virgin in terms of man having never touched her. 
and he's going to return. And that sign is pointing to the midpoint, who coming up here real soon. Let me read you this. Romans 10 says this. This is Paul. But I say, have you heard? Verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. That's again him talking about the the, the timepiece, the stars. Paul was saying that the Israelites knew that the Messiah had come because they had seen it in the stars. Luke, and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. This is the last days. These signs are not astrological, folks. They're astronomy. It's okay to look for signs in the sky. It's not okay that the stars are running your life. Astrology is wrong. It's satanic. But Matthew 2 says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem and Judea in in the days of King Herod the king, behold, there came men from the east to Jerusalem. More than likely, this might be a bunch of wise men from where Daniel had been. Daniel never left being in captivity, and he set up a school. And more than likely, these wise men were mentored by Daniel himself. And God gave them the timepiece, and he taught them how to read these stars for the future. Anyway, Matthew 2.2 says, saying, where is he that is born of the Israelites? Well, it says not king of the Jews is what it says, but he meant Israelites. For for we have seen him, his star in the east. In other words, they had seen his star when they were in the east. Anyway, I just got through telling you what Herod wanted to know. He wanted to know when it appeared. So he met with them in private to find out, and then he sent out men to go kill Jesus, and he killed all the babies in Bethlehem. Why? Because he's an Edomite. He was a murdered, he was a usurper of power. The star, folks, that went ahead of them didn't just march around in the sky and lead them through the... What these people were was they saw a sign in the sky... And they said, okay, the king's supposed to be born over Israel. Israel is not here. Israel's over there. And if it's the king, then it's probably going to be born in the kingdom, in in the royal family. Well, they got over there. They had no idea that this guy had been placed in charge as king and that there was a murdered real king. Had no idea. So they left. And they went due south to Bethlehem. And when they looked up, there was the star as they traveled due south. There is a sign in the sky that says, coming upon us soon is what's called the woman or the whore that mounts the beast. 
We've all been trying to figure out who this is. What is this? You know, well, there's always going to be the physical form. Here's how you have to read it, literally. You have to look for a sign in the sky in the correct zodiac, in the right name, with the right stars, and you'll find that there is a whore mounting a beast. And it's coming up September 2017. Why am I saying that? Well, you keep saying, gosh, I thought you said it was 2016. No, I never did. Here's what I'm going to tell you. So here, get your papers out. Check this out. When you take a look at some of the astronomical one once-only stuff, once-only, you will find that that has to have some kind of sign. Sometimes it's bad sign. Uh, you know, we already ruled out a lot of things that were, could have been happening. No, was it a comet? No, comets never brought good things. There might be a comet this time, but back then Jesus' birth was an, not an omen. Omen were bad things. So there was not going to be a comet. It was a star. Anyway, to make this all perfectly more uh, uh, stand, understandable is this. If you go three and a half years, you go to about spring to fall, somewhere in there from the from the uh, last sign that we had of a major galactic lineup. It, it's incredible. It has to do with the grand cross, the grand cardinal cross at that. The cardinal signs are the four, are the exactly the same signs of the four tribes of Israel, the ones that were in the north and the south and the east and the west. When they were in the desert, when they camped out in the desert, they just didn't go milly mallying around the desert wandering. They put up a, a union jack, a, a center post that in the middle of the camp was a big flag. Union Jack that flies over Great Britain's palace today is exactly what that is. The Union Jack was the Union of Jacob, or the Union of the of the Israelites. In the middle of that, then to the north of that flag would camp out one tribe. To the south would be another tribe. And if you will look at those, they match up perfectly with the Zodiac, because those tribes and their symbols match the symbols in the zodiac. So we have Leo the lion, okay, is one of them. That's the tribe of Judah, the one Jesus was born in. But we also have the water bearer. We have, uh, which is Aquarius. And, and, and we have all these other tribes with all other kinds of of symbols, and they're all camped in a certain spot around that main flag. And when you look at them, they all match up with the zodiac. And when you look at that, if you want to say there's got to be an event like there was when Jesus was born that marks an important time in the history of God's timetable, which you've got to say, well, <laughs> you know, I think his birth was an important event, right? 
it was important. So it had a celestial, it had it in the stars. It was there in the stars. And so is the last thing in our in our um, pictures that we're reading in Revelation. Those folks are terminologies for signs in the heavens around stars and constellations. And when you see there's a sun in in the head or a moon in at their feet, they're talking about how it lines up with all those, the sun, the moon, the stars, and so forth. And so when we start looking at one of the largest astrological events, it actually shows up that the midpoint shows up in spring of 2017. And we have coming up to that midpoint of the trip some events. Do you know what some of those are? Do you know what kind of things are being, uh, you know, brought up. I mean, what are some of those kind of uh, uh, events that are, you know, supposed to show up? Well, all you have to do is read about those seals in the book of Revelation, and you will see right before the midpoint, there was silence in heaven. And right before that, there was that time where there was, you know the the very first of the uh, of it, the first half of the seven years is you have four horses of the apocalypse, then you have a fifth seal, a sixth seal, and a seventh seal. And the seventh seal is silence. The sixth seal is the last thing that's actually having something done. But then all of a sudden it's just quiet. I kind of equate this year's election to a time of quiet. Because isn't it always right during and before an election they don't want to do anything bad? <laughs> they just want to kind of make everybody happy because they don't want to ra- rattle all the all the you know the, the the mice out there. They don't want to upset them before the election. Well, as soon as that happens, and then there's this quiet because after the election there's like an inauguration to go through. In three months or two months, you've got you've got November elections. Then you've got all the rest of November, all the rest of December, all the rest of most of January. I think is like the twentieth or something. And then you have an inauguration of the president, the new one. So you literally have this non-functioning president where things are just kind of quiet. All a president does during that time is he goes, "Hey, it won't affect me at all. Let's just get all these crooks that we had help us." Let's get them all, uh, you know, let's uh, pardon them all. So that's when, you know, like Clinton had released more criminals than, than anybody previous put together, okay? He got them all out of jail. They were all criminals that helped them get where they were. He pardoned them. So there's this quiet period. Then after the quiet period at the midpoint, we have the first trumpet. And that's when all hell breaks loose. People... This is at the midpoint is when Christians start coming under persecution. So doesn't it fit perfectly that if the signs are pointing towards spring, that it would take the new president or leader of the world, of the world's strongest nation that's in the middle of Babylon? Yes, we are. 
the Babylonian Empire because the Constitution has been taken over by admiralty law, and it is the devil's system that's in charge. It's the devil's people that have the banks. It's the devil's people that are running all the media, all the news, all the politicians. And it was Christ that ran them out with a whip. It's a what you can see coming, though, when Christ returns. If you want to see what a picture of what he's going to do when he comes back is, look at the day that he ran the money changers off the temple with a bullwhip. That's what he's going to do, only this time he's not going to disappear into the crowd. But before that happens, the event that we have coming is the persecution of the people in this country. And it starts in 2017. Now here's one way it won't. If this nation will repent and turn to God, he will forgive them and there will not be any persecution. But you've got to remember something. The people that we're telling must repent are Kazarians. They're Nephilim. They are descended from the fallen angels. They cannot repent. It's impossible. The Adamic covenant does not apply to them. So there will not be a repentance. There will literally be a war of good versus evil. There will be a war between the people of God that are fighting to get this Constitution back like the Ammon-Bundy event and the Admiralty jurisdiction that is going to run roughshod. And the only thing that's going to cause them problems is the things that God has lined up for us to have happen to them that they can't control, like the sun having trouble, the sun putting out the cameras on the corners because of so much radiation. But you... Folks, you, ground crew, have been told, get your glasses so you don't go blind. Be prepared for a time where they're going to try and lock us up. Be prepared for the whore that mounts the beast. I'm going to tell you right now, and Chip's told you too, the fix is in. Hillary Clinton is the next president. I would love to see something else happen. But I'm beginning to think, do you realize that Hillary Clinton has over 300 superdelegates right now? And, and Bernie Sanders, having won all that he has, has only got 48. Do you know that caucuses don't make, or, or these uh, uh, votes that are going on prior to the election to find out who they want for president, do you realize they don't have to vote for them? It depends on Who's got the fix? She's already got 10 times as many as he does. Hillary's going to be in the final. The only thing that's going to stop Hillary is if she gets indicted. That's the only thing. And yet that's to be seen. That's where we're at. If that does not happen... If that happens, if Hillary Clinton becomes president, God save us. You better be ready, because all 
hell is going to break loose. And if you stop and think about it, you don't get full four years. You get about three and a half years of an effect of a president actually doing things. And when this next president comes into play, we'll be at the beginning of the last half of the tribulation, which is three and a half years long. Folks, it's all lined up. All I can say is, really, folks, all I can say is you better be ready. Physically, mentally, spiritually, have it ready. Because it's going down. And the signs are in the sky. Folks, it's been my pleasure being with you. And uh, I don't think I can say any more to top that stuff. Good night.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.